And uh, of course, we have a uh, we did have a uh, a map, I guess. I know they've already put the scripture up, but uh, we did have a map of the uh, uh, seven churches. And uh, there they are. And you can uh, look at look at that map to get a better idea of how the churches were located. If you did not get in on our first two sessions, you might want to go to the Internet and uh, it doesn't cost you anything. You can go to pastor's messages and catch up on what you may have missed the last two sessions. And if you listen to those two sessions, it would better help you then to understand and follow along as we move move on. Uh, So let's pick up Revelation chapter two, verse eight. And to the angel, and remember, the angels were not angels like what we would think of angels. There are angels, of course, but these weren't angelic beings. Who were they? Do you remember? The pastors. So to the pastor, the church in Smyrna, write. And so Jesus gave this to John, and then John sent it to the pastor, and then, of course, the church in Smyrna. Now, this church, you need to realize that this church was known as the persecuted church. Now, all of the churches certainly suffered persecution in that day. But this one was perhaps persecuted to a greater degree than the other than the other six. Okay, this church was under severe, severe persecution. Severe, severe persecution. And if you'll remember that as we study this church, it'll help you uh, to better understand why Jesus said some of the things that he did. Now, as we as we'll read into this, as we go along in the in the Bible, you'll see that uh, this was one of the seven churches that no correction was given to by Jesus. There was no correction given uh, there were only two of the seven churches that got no correction, and this was one of them. So that's a good thing when Jesus looks at your church and doesn't have anything to correct you on. That, that's a good thing. And uh, so, so, so that's good. Now, Smyrna, I've been trying to give you some background on the, the cities in which the churches existed. Uh, Smyrna was a large city. It was not as big as Ephesus. Uh, the city itself was wealthy, but we'll see in a moment the church was not. The city itself was, was fairly wealthy, a fairly affluent city, but the church really wasn't. They contributed, there was much contribution to, the, to education and the sciences in this city. And this city had uh, emperor worship to Caesar. Emperor worship to Caesar, not in the church, but in the city. Now, this this city of Smyrna had emperor worship, but it it was it was it was there in this city to a great degree. But even more so, we'll see it in the city next week in Pergamos when we when we look at that church. Uh, they had actually an emperor cult in that city and 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 the throne of uh, Zeus, which was also known as the throne of Satan, which actually a replica of that is what Hitler stood on when he addressed the Germany. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into that next week. But, but this, this city had emperor worship to a great degree, but it wasn't to the degree that, that they had it in Pergamos. But Smyrna emperor worship. Now, here's the thing. that In this city, everyone in Smyrna... Everyone except the synagogue where the Jews were would have to, on an annual basis, burn incense to Caesar and declare verbally with their mouth that Caesar was their Lord and their king. Did you get that? Did you you hear what I just said? In this city, everyone in the city except those in the synagogue, the, Jew, the Jews in the synagogue, would have to, on an annual basis, burn incense to Caesar and declare verbally that he was their Lord and their king. 
And then they would get a certificate of compliance for that year. And they'd have to, you know, then the next year they'd have to do it again. So this exemption only extended into the synagogue, but it did not extend into the church in Smyrna. So that means the Christians annually would have to declare with their mouth, go before the the, the council there, just like we'd go get our driver's license, essentially. They'd have to go and appear and declare that Caesar was their Lord and their King. Now, that's a problem if you're a real Christian. I, I won't do that. I refuse to do that because if you do that, this is a heaven hell issue now. Did you hear what I just said to confess that Caesar is your Lord and your king? That means you've denied Jesus Christ and that means you're going to hell. Did you get that? So the the Christians there were faced with a dilemma, with a dilemma. Okay, do you understand that they'd have to burn the incense to Caesar and confess him as their their Lord and their king? A Christian can't do that and stay saved. Do you understand that? Do you understand the dilemma that, that these people had, these Christians? Okay, now, now the synagogue had an exemption, but the Christians weren't in the synagogue. Right? So, dilemma. You need to understand that. Now, in uh, Revelation 2, verse 8, We'll pick up there again, and we've already read to the angel of the church of Smyrna, right? These things says the first and the last. Now, who is the first and the last? That's Jesus. Who Now, now this is going to be important in a few moments here. Who was dead and came to life? There's a reason why Jesus said this to them. This is an attribute of himself. Remember, in each of the churches, Jesus greeted them, and then he shared an attribute of himself. But it's, it's this attribute of who was dead and came to life is very significant, as we'll see in a moment, why he said that to them. But we'll come back to that. Then he says, I know your works. He says that to every church. And then he says, I know your works. And he knew their what? Tribulation. Now, that word in the Greek is an intense word. It means to be crushed. Beneath a weight, it would be like if you had had about five or six big boulders laid upon you to be. I mean, big, heavy ones. That word tribulation means to be crushed beneath a weight. That's what these Christians were undergoing persecution. Unbelievable persecution. I know your works, your tribulation and poverty. It's interesting that the city of Smyrna was fairly affluent, but the church apparently was not. But you see, a lot of times people looking from a human perspective will look in and see a church that doesn't have a whole lot. And right away they'll say, well, that church just isn't very blessed of God. But these next words that Jesus shares is very encouraging. Because you don't have to have a lot of this world's good to be considered rich by God. And he says he knows their poverty, but you are what? You're what? Rich. Isn't that good to know that Jesus, when you don't have a lot of money in this world's good, you can still be rich if you're rich toward God. Now, again, I believe in prosperity. Don't misunderstand me. I believe in prosperity. But prosperity should never become the central focus or the main thing. Do you understand that? And these folk didn't have a whole lot in the church. Not an affluent church. But Jesus said they were what? Rich. That speaks volumes. I'm going slow. I want you to really think about this today. And then he says, I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Now, next week, when we get to Pergamos, we'll look at the throne of Satan was set in Pergamos, and you'll see why next week. But this area of Smyrna had a synagogue Where the Jews met and Jesus said, 
I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a what? Synagogue of Satan. Now, synagogue of Satan, the Jews here in this synagogue were like the Jews who dealt with Jesus. Now, how many of you know Jesus is a Jew? Is that right? And, and, and how many of you know Jews are God's chosen people? And, and how many of you know, I'm going to say this, it might startle you, but I'll explain it. How many of you know that you've got to be a true Jew to get into heaven? <laughs> Did that slap you upside the head? Yeah, yeah you do. You do. I'm going to take, take a, take a, uh, uh, hold your place right there. Real quickly, go to Romans 2, verse 28. While you're turning there, how many of you know that to be a descendant of Abraham, a natural descendant, doesn't do you any good as far as getting into heaven's concern? Did you, did you hear me? Because see, that's what the that's what the the Jews did in Jesus' day, and John the Baptist dealt with them, and and they said, well, we have Abraham as our father, meaningless for the most part as far as going to heaven is concerned. Now the Jews are God's chosen people, but He chose them to use them to get the gospel to the world. Is that right? But just being a natural descendant of Abraham, I mean. Paul noted there were some advantages to being a Jew and, and, and God's chosen people. And we got the Bible through through the Jews primarily and all of that. There's much, much to be said. We need to be blessing the Jews. Is that right? You need to be inviting a prime minister into the Oval Office anytime he wants to come. Can anybody say amen? amen? Much we could say about that. But just being... You see, there's people... There's Jews on this planet that they think just because they're a natural Jew, they're going to heaven. But the Apostle Paul, who was a Jew and he became a Christian and he got the revelation of the of, 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 of the grace of God. And he says in the writings to, to the to the Romans that just being a natural Jew does not save you, does not get you into heaven. He made that abundantly clear. He said his desire for Israel is that they would be saved. How do you get saved? Through faith in Jesus Christ. He talked about that the, that the Jews would not submit to the righteousness of God, but they went about trying to establish their own righteousness. They had a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Remember him talking about that? And the knowledge is that we need to realize that we need to, with a repentant heart, come to Christ. Just like Saul of Tarsus did and became the Apostle Paul. And so, you know, Romans 2 verse 28 for he is not a Jew who is one what? Outwardly. Just being born of being the seed of Abraham isn't going to. That doesn't really make you. You're, you're, you're a natural Jew. And, and, and we love the Jews. And, and I'm all for them. You understand that? Because you see God told Abraham. Whoever blesses you I'll bless. Whoever curses you I'll curse. Is that right? But he said here, the Holy Spirit said, he's not a Jew who's one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one what? Inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. How do you become a spiritual Jew? You get born again. And then, and then you're a spiritual Jew. And then you're, you're ready for heaven. Did you get what I just said? But going back to this synagogue of Satan, these folk here were descendants of Abraham. But like the Jews Jesus dealt with, they rejected Jesus, didn't they? Is that right? I mean, the ones that, that John the Baptist dealt with. They said, well, we have Abraham as our father. And John said, well, God can take these stones and raise up children unto Abraham. Remember that? No, we need to get born again. See, the Jews need to get born again to make heaven. Did you just say that if a Jew doesn't get born again, they'll go to hell? I didn't say that. The Bible said that. Yeah, but if they're a, they're a Torah Jew and they go by the first five books of the Old Testament and they're sincere, no, the Bible says they'll go to hell. Just like anybody else who rejects Jesus. The Bible's very clear on that. Did you hear what it just said? I didn't stutter, did I? I'm just preaching the Bible to you. 
But these people here in this synagogue of Satan, they were just like the Jews that rejected Jesus. Did you know that a lot of times the Jews have suffered persecution because people blame them for crucifying Jesus? But did you know Gentiles were also in on the crucifixion? The Romans were Gentiles, weren't they? And do you know who really crucified Jesus? You did. And, and I did. Because of our sin. Is that right? So let's don't lay that off on the Jews. And let's don't lay it off on the Romans. It was all of us who played a part in that. And Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down and I take it up again. Is that right? Are you okay? But this synagogue of Satan were just like the Jews that Jesus dealt with. They rejected Jesus, thus blasphemy. You know, they accused Jesus of casting out demons by Beelzebub. Remember that? And Jesus warned them about blaspheming the Holy Ghost. Don't do that. These Jews had Abraham as their forefather, but they didn't have the faith of Abraham. And they didn't truly believe Moses' writings because if they they had them, but they didn't believe them because if they'd have believed them, they would have received Jesus and they wouldn't have been a synagogue of Satan. How many of you know Saul of Tarsus would have fit in real good in this group here in Smyrna before he got saved? He'd have been the leader of the band. Leader of the band. You okay? Thank God he got saved and became a spiritual Jew. A natural Jew became a spiritual Jew. We Gentiles, we need to become spiritual Jews. How do you do that when you get saved? Have I made that clear? So that's the kind of people you had here in this, in this synagogue. The same kind of people that could see somebody get healed and then they're going to crab because it was done on the wrong day of the week. Is that right? That's the kind of, that's the kind of people these were. And, and you see, the Roman persecution initially was instigated by the, by the Jews. Is that right? The Jews initially were the persecutors of the church. And then they instigated the Romans to persecute. And then the Romans got in on it. And then, and then they began to persecute the Jews. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the church as time went on. So who was the initial persecutors of the church? It was the Jews. Is that right? Am I right? And then, see the Romans, here's the thing you need to realize. The Romans did not care if you had Jesus as your Savior. They just didn't want Jesus to be your Lord. They wanted Caesar to be your Lord. Did you hear that? So, so the Romans were cool with the fact that Jesus is your Savior. Not a big deal. But, when, but to get saved, doesn't the Bible say we have to confess Him as Lord, Romans 10, 9, 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. See, that's what we was talking about a while ago. These Christians in Smyrna, they had to go before that council every year and confess that Caesar was Lord. And now if they do that, they're gonna, their salvation, they're gonna, they're gonna have to deny Christ and now they'll lose their salvation. Can somebody lose their salvation? Oh yeah, it, 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 it's almost impossible to do, but it can be done. And to not to deny Christ, now you're in danger of losing your salvation. You're going to lose your salvation if you deny Christ. Did you get what I just said? Somebody said, "Well, I believe in." I thought eternal security. Listen, let me tell you something. I heard a preacher say this years ago, and it was so good. And I've never been able to better it. Here's what he said: Because we was talking about eternal security, once saved, always saved, and all that. And he said this, he said, I believe in the eternal security of the believer. So as long as you're believing in Christ, you're eternally secure. But if you deny Christ, the Bible is clear. I can give you scriptures from now till till 2.30 this afternoon and show you that if you deny Christ, you lose your salvation. And that's what these folks were dealing with here, these Christians. To go before that council, burn incense and confess Caesar as Lord, you're going to have to deny Christ to do that. Do you see that? So you see that the, 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 the Romans had no problem with you having Jesus as your Savior. They just, they just when you confess him as Lord, now they, they don't want that. They want Caesar to be your Lord. 
So the Jews started out persecuting the church initially. And, and, and then, of course, they got the Romans instigated into it. Then the Romans picked up. And we know the Romans persecuted the church severely as well. So do you understand a little bit about this synagogue of Satan? So in Smyrna, we had the church of Smyrna, and then there was a synagogue there, and, and they were the same kind of Jews that Jesus dealt with, that John the Baptist dealt with. You get somebody healed, Jesus got them healed, and they are crabbing because it's the wrong day of the week and all of that. Do you understand that? They're just very, very uh, not hooked in with Jesus at all. They were rejectors of Jesus, and uh, they were yielding to the devil. So that was going on in Smyrna. Now... Notice chapter 2, verse 10, Revelation 2.10. Do not, now, now listen to this, what Jesus is telling this church. Remember, this was the persecuted church. They were all persecuted, but severe persecution here. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested And you will have tribulation for 10 days. Now, can you imagine? Just think about that for a minute. Jesus sends you a message. The pastor gets up on Sunday. And what if I came in here and I said to you, and this this was for real deal here, talking to you now. And I said, don't fear any of those things that you are about to suffer. The devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you're going to be you're going to have tribulation. You're going to be like crushed beneath great weights and and great, great boulders of weight. You're going to go into prison and some of you are going to be put to death. Now, how would you feel if I said that? Oh, it's so easy to think about. Well, that was them. 2,000 years ago. Put yourself in that position. And that does go on in places in the, uh, in the world. We're so spoiled here in the United States as Christians. You understand? There's some persecution, but pitily compared to what goes on in the world. Now, this is a whole different shooting match if I said, Debbie, you know what? You're going to be thrown into prison later this week and you're probably going to be put to death. But I want to encourage you to be strong and remain faithful. Or if I said, Brian, you're headed for prison later this week. They're going to come and take you and they're going to they're going to persecute you. They're going to torture you and you're probably going to you're probably going to die. But be faithful unto death. Now, I could come out and say that to each and every one of you. How would that make you feel? That's what the pastor had to get up in the pulpit and preach to this church. Paulette, there's a good chance you're going to jail this week. And there's a good chance I'll never see you again because they're going to put you to death. I'll see you in heaven. But be strong and be faithful. Think about that. That's that's I mean, you got to I'm trying. I'm going real slow. We're just doing this one church today. Think about that. And in this nation, that kind of message in so many of the churches would not be allowed Did you hear what I just said? To get up and tell the people that you're going to experience tribulation and you're going to suffer? That's going to get thrown out of almost every pulpit in this nation. Is that right? This is not having your best day today, is it? Or how to have your best life this next week, is it? And there's a place for those messages. Don't misunderstand me. But when that's, as I've told you again and again, when it's always your best day now and all that all the time, when that's 24-7, at last you become malnourished. Did you hear what I just said? Dale, there's a good chance you're going to go to jail this next week. They're going to probably burn you at the stake. And you're going to have a chance to get out of that. All you have to do is deny Jesus and confess Caesar as Lord. But I want to encourage you, don't deny Jesus. Maintain your faith in Him and your confession of faith. That's that's what was going on in this church. Think about that. 
John Knott, there's a good chance that you're going to be burned at the stake this next week. But all you have to do is deny Jesus and they'll let you go. But I want to encourage you, dear brother, don't deny Christ. Be faithful unto death. Karen, they're coming for you this next week and they're, they're going to probably burn you at the stake for your faith in Christ. You can get out of it by, by denying Jesus. But I want to encourage you, don't deny Him. Be faithful unto death. Sobering, isn't it? That's what, that's what was really happening. Let's read it again. Verse 10. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. The devil, notice the devil is about to throw some, who's behind it? The devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you'll have tribulation for 10 days. It's a short period of time. But some of them are going to die. Some of them are going to prison. Not all of them, but some of them. And some of them are going to die. And then Jesus says, be faithful until death. And I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful until death and I'll give you the crown of life. That's an encouraging word there. Be faithful. It may not be the kind of encouragement we're used to, but that's encouraging. A crown of life. And remember a while ago when I said to you that Jesus made a statement to these people about one of his attributes? And what was that? He who was, he said, I'm the one who was dead and came to life. In other words, he's saying, I've already been through this. I've already been put to death, but I came back to life. Do you see how I encourage, when you, see you can just read that, well, he who was dead and is alive again, praise God for that. But when you put it in the context of what that meant to these people, that their Lord and Savior had already been through that. He'd been put to death, but he he came to life. Do you see the encouragement in that? Does it mean more to you now when Jesus said, I'm the one who was dead and came to life? He's conquered death. Do you see, see when you get it in context, how encouraging that would be? It's not just Jesus rattling off one of his attributes. That is one of his attributes. He's risen from the dead. But you see how encouraging that would be to these people. Do you see that? Now... The pastor of this church was a man named Polycarp. Does anybody remember who the pastor at Ephesus was? Timothy. This guy's name was Polycarp. And he pastored there a good while. He was martyred, that means put to death, at 86 years old. He was one of them, think about it, very likely was one of them that had to get up, one of the, he was the pastor, very likely that had to get up and preach and say, you remember how I just went around a while ago and talked, called out Karen and Debbie and John and Ryan and Paulette? And then he had to direct that at himself because this man, they came for him and they put him to death. He was martyred at 86 years old. Before he was martyred, he was given a dream from God. And in the dream, his pillow under his head was on fire. He told his disciples, you know, like his deacons and elders, he told them that he would be burned alive just in, 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 in a short time. His disciples wanted to hide him, but Polycarp was in his heart. He knew that like Paul, he had finished his course. He'd run a good race and he kept the faith. He requested one last hour in prayer. They gave him a last request, and that was his request, one last hour in prayer. When being taken to be burned, someone said to him, Polycarp, what harm is it to just go ahead and say that Caesar is Lord? Go ahead and say that and live. 
You might live a while here on this earth, but to say Caesar is Lord for a Christian is to lose your salvation. To deny Christ. It's reported that a voice came from heaven. It's just a report. And this voice, I believe it to be, if the report's true, of God, a voice of God saying, Be strong, Polycarp. How many of you need to be hearing something like that right about then? Now, I don't know if that really happened or not, but there's a pretty good report that it did. And others heard it. He could have denied the name of Christ, expressing allegiance to Caesar, but he, he did not. And here's what he said. For 86 years I've served Jesus... And he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? And while he's saying this, some of the members of the synagogue of Satan, which we've talked about, ran to get wood for the fire in which Polycarp would be burned. And as they were lighting the fire, he said, You threaten me with the fire that burns for a time and is quickly quenched, but you do not know the fire which awaits the wicked and the judgment to come and an everlasting punishment. Why are you waiting? Do what you will to me. And he maintained his faith and his confession in the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Praise God. Verse 11. Chapter 2 of Revelation, verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Now remember I told you about overcoming. There were two sides of it. We talked about it last week. One is that when you get born again, you're an overcomer. That's a... Something that God deems you when you get born again, you're an overcomer. But then there's another, there's the other side to that coin is that, that you have to rise up in the, in, in the power of the spirit and overcome some things. Is that right? We went over this in great length last week. So when you make Jesus the Lord of your life and you get born again, you're automatically an overcomer. Who is he that overcomes the world but he that believes that Jesus is the Christ? Remember, we, we read that. But then the Bible also said this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So when we get born again, it's a free gift. We're an overcomer. But yet there's some things we need to rise up and overcome. And, and that's going to come into play here as I begin to close this message. But before I, I say that, I want to say this. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the what? The second death. Now somebody said, well, I didn't know there was... What is a second death? Well, we're going to show you what the second death is. Let's just go there now. Hold your place here in Revelation 2. Go to Revelation 20, verse 14. You need to see what the second death is. Revelation 20, 14. Then death and Hades, or hell were cast into the, what? Lake of fire. And the Bible is clear. The lake of fire, this is the second death. So what is the second death? It's the lake of fire. When your person's cast into the lake of fire, that's the second death. Somebody said, well, what is the first death? Well, we could talk for a great while about it, but I'm convinced that this is is what the, the first death is, would be... And people would argue with me, but I've studied into it. I'm not saying I'm right, but I think I'm right. I mean, we know what the second death is. It's what? The lake of fire. But the first death, I believe, is the physical death that we all have to die should Jesus tarry his coming. You understand that? that that's what, what I think it is. is the, when we, when, we, when we, we, we die, it's appointed unto human beings once to die. That's what I think the first death is. Something that we'll all have to suffer. But we don't all have to suffer the second death because we can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and get born again and miss out on the second death. Isn't that wonderful? So what is the second death? It's the lake of fire. And then look at verse 15. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the 
lake of fire. How do you get in the book of life? By receiving Jesus as your Savior, confessing Him with a believing heart as your Lord. Is that, is that right? So none of us have to go to the lake of fire. Nobody does if you'll make Jesus the Lord of your life and receive Him, believe on Him. So what is the second death? It's the lake of fire. And if you're in the book of life, you don't go into the lake of fire. Are you okay with that? Now, some of the believers in the church at Smyrna were going to be hurt just right out in front of them. We're going to be hurt by, by physical death. We're going to be put to death, some of them. But none of them were going to be hurt by spiritual death or the lake of fire because they had Jesus as their Lord. And all they had to do was maintain their faith in him and their confession in him and don't deny him. And as long as they do, they'll be they'll experience the first death, be put to death. But their spirits will go to be with Jesus and they'll never suffer this, the second death. But what do they have to do? Maintain their faith in Jesus. Now, having said that, look at Revelation 21, verse 8. I'm going to have them put this on the screen because I want to read this from the Living Bible. Revelation 21, verse 8. And I think we made a special screen for that. And it's the Living Bible, not the New Living Translation, but the Living Bible. Do we have a special? It's on the schedule back there. So I'll just give him a second to, to can you see that there? It's a little bit small. But there's nothing we can do about that. But can you can you see that? At least it's up there. Some of you with real good vision can see that. I read this out of many different translations, and and this this is the the best rendering of this verse that I that I think I've ever seen, because it talks about the second death. But but it says, but if you read this in other versions. Um, I don't know, Ed, Ed, is it possible we could put, I'm sorry to do this to you, could we maybe put uh, that up in maybe the King James Version? Is it possible to do, I know I'm throwing you a curveball, didn't mean to. Can you put, and we'll come back to this. But the fearful, unbelieving, abominable, murders, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, liars, shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now when you read that, the first one there says, but the fearful... And then if you skip on down, the fearful are going to the lake of fire. So when I read that, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm afraid to fly on, the, on planes. Am I going to go to the lake of fire? <laughs> he said, yeah. No, he's just kidding, right? No. You okay? You out there? So I read that, I think, well, I'm a, has anybody ever been afraid of anything besides me since you got saved? So I'm thinking, wow, unbelieving, about murders, whoremongers, sorcerers, ah, okay, liars. Wow. Has anybody ever told a lie since they've been saved besides me? You didn't want to do it. You knew you shouldn't do it. It's, it's, you fibbed a little bit. I didn't have that sticker bar. Uh-uh, no. No, I didn't eat the sticker. I didn't eat the, I didn't eat the sticker bar. I joke about it, but lying is a very serious thing. We shouldn't lie. We shouldn't lie. Right? But when reading that, I'm thinking, wow. And then you could read it in other translations. Uh, can we try the a New King James Version? But the cowardly. There comes that plain thing again. Cowardly. Oh. Let's try the... the, the uh, New, uh, the NIV. How does that read? The cow. Oh, there it is again. Let's. We're going to keep looking for a translation until we get one we like. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding on that. You know, I try to handle doctrine very purely. Let's go to. Uh, let's go to the uh, New Living Translation. New Living NLT. Let's try that one. That you had the the cowards. There it is again. Okay, fearful. So we have fearful cowards. But when you so, so but when you really get into this, the, for the cowards, the ignoble, that's the amplified. Let's go to the one to the Living Bible, the one that that we made the special slide for because we don't have the Living Bible on our projection repertoire. 
after studying this, I believe that this is what the scripture is saying. And I think it fits very well with the context of what we've taught you for the last 35 minutes or so. But cowards who what? Turn back from following Jesus. That's what that's talking about. These people, we talked about Polycarp. Was he a coward? Did he turn back from following Jesus? No. That's what these people were faced with. Did I upset you all ago when I said it is possible to lose salvation? Did I upset anybody with that? If you deny Christ, I've got scriptures. You've got another hour or two I can show you from the Bible. It's almost impossible to do. But if you deny Jesus, that, that's, that's, that's the illusion of salvation. That's what it's talking about. The cowards there. Cowards who what? Turn back from following me. Following Jesus. See how that fits? That fits, doesn't it? And those who are unfaithful to me. Unbelieving, unfaithful. See, you, if you turn back from following Jesus, if you're, if you're unfaithful to him, now that does not mean that you showed up late to serve in church or something, or you, 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 know, you were unfaithful in some area. That's not what that's talking about. What that's talking about is you've, stopped, you, you, you've turned away from him. You're, you're, not, you've, you're not faithful to him anymore. Did you get that? Uh, it'd be one thing if uh, I told my wife I was going to cut the grass and I didn't do it. Well, that would be an unfaithful thing. Is that right? Or if I told her I would be at a certain place at a certain time and I was, I, I, let's say I didn't even show up. I just decided to watch golf. That was being unfaithful. Is that right? Is that going to cost me my marriage? Probably not. But if she found out that. So that's unfaithful on one level, isn't it? But if she found out I didn't show up to have lunch with her because I went out with another woman. Now that's a whole different thing. It's one thing to not be faithful to Jesus and maybe church service or whatever. And we we need to be. But if he finds out we're, which he would know, that we're confessing Caesar as Lord. Now that's a whole other thing. That's what that's talking about. Are you okay? The corrupt... Murderers, immoral, those conversing with demons. That's a whole lot different than being afraid of getting on a jet, isn't it? Idol worshippers and all liars. Now, there we go. Let me just take a minute. Liars. We, how many of you know we shouldn't lie? How many know God doesn't like lying in any way, shape, form, or fashion? It's a dangerous thing. Is that right? A dangerous thing. I asked the question years ago, who is a liar? Did you know God answers that for us? And I think it's 1 John 2, 2. I, I, I think that's it. I think that's it. I think it's 1 John 2, 2. Who is a liar? 1 John 2, 2. What does it say? Does anybody have that? Yes. Who is, a, who is a liar? But he that denieth. What does 1 John 2, 2 say? Who is a liar? Do we have that? Is that not it? Come on, somebody, some of you Bible students out there, help me. Who is, is it 1 John 3? I want to say 2-2. Two, two. It's not 2-2, two, two, that's clear. What is it? Who is a liar? That's correct. That's good too. But there was another, there's another one in there that says, that, that's good, Karen. I'm, that, but that's not the one I'm looking at. Is it 1 John 5-2? Is it... I want to say, is it 3-2? Come on, guys. There's a, there's a verse. I didn't put it in my notes. Who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? Well, I'm, uh, this is a little bit different this morning. This is more like a Bible class than it is a church service, but that's okay. No. Well, that that do to he who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. But there's a verse there. Two, I knew it. I knew there were twos in there. 
First John two twenty two. There it is. Now here. So so you're concerned that you. So I'm concerned that I told Diane I didn't eat a Snicker bar. Now how many of you know I shouldn't lie? Is that right? But what that verse is talking about when it pertains to the lake of fire, who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He's Antichrist. He denies the Father. So do you see who a liar is? Now, the Holy Ghost wrote the Bible, but he wrote, uh, he, he used John in Revelation, and he also used John here. So it's the same man, so we can be confident that that's what it's talking about. Who is a liar? He who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Now, go back over there, Ed, if you would, do, uh, to that one that Diane made, that slide that she made. Let's look at that on, uh, what was it? Uh, we just had it. It was uh, Revelation 21.8. Now, let's read this again. You still with me out there? This is really, I'm enjoying this. Are you getting anything out of it? Now, this will better help us. Now, that, but now, 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 the cowards who turned back from following me, were they, were they faced with that in Smyrna? Yeah. And those who are unfaithful to me, corrupt, murderers, that immoral means sexually immoral. You can study into that and see that. And those conversing with demons, idol worshipers, and all liars. Now, we shouldn't be lying about snicker bars. Is that right? But you see what that liars is talking about there? Denying that Jesus is the Christ. That's what these people were faced with. And all liars, their doom will be the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. This is the what? The second death. Do you see how serious it was what these people were being faced with? Do you see it? Do you see that? Now then, we'll close by looking at this. Revelation 2, verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who, what? Overcomes shall not be hurt by the... What's the second death? That's a lake of fire. That's eternal hell, isn't it? So he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Now listen to me as I close this. I want you to listen to this. For years gone by, I used to take that he who overcomes shall... I'll just put it in my own words. He who overcomes will not ultimately go to hell. And when I took that verse and I picked it up and I weighed it against all the other salvation verses... Because how many of you know that we can't do anything of ourselves... To miss hell and make heaven. Is that right? Except believe on the Lord Jesus. Is that right? But yet when I looked at this verse and I pulled it out of its setting, I pulled it out of its context and I looked at it and I said, well, that verse seems to be saying that there's something that we can do in and of ourselves to miss hell and make heaven. And I'm scratching my head and I'm thinking that, 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 that can't be. But what's the answer? The answer was it's so easy. It's right in front of you. You have to keep this verse in its setting and context. What was the overcoming that these people had to do to not be hurt by the second death and go to hell? What was the overcoming? The overcoming was that they had to overcome and not deny Jesus and overcome and maintain their faith and confession in him. And if you maintain your faith and confession in him and you don't deny him, then you're not going to be hurt by the second death. So their overcoming here in the proper context was not that they had to do something, some good work or something. It was that they had to maintain their faith in Christ and not deny him. Don't you think did Polycarp overcome? Yeah, he maintained his faith. He maintained his confession in Jesus. He refused to confess Caesar. He maintained his faith in confession. He kept a hold of Jesus with his faith. That's, that's, that's what that overcoming here means. Did you get that? And so it fits perfectly with all the other salvation scriptures, doesn't it? Did you get anything out of this today? You don't want to miss next week. It's going to be really interesting when we get in and look at the seat of Satan in the throne of Satan in Pergamos. Stand with me if you would. Praise God. Don't forget we're going to break for three or four minutes and then we're going to pray. Hallelujah. Just bow your heads there. If you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, do that before you leave today. You do that by coming up here and just talking to these nice people. They'll pray with you and they'll lead you. 
into a relationship with him. If you need healing in your body, you need somebody to talk to or pray with, that's what these people are up here for. Just come up afterwards and and tell them what, what your need is. They'll be glad to pray with you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want all of us to be cognizant of just what it is that these people in Smyrna, these Christians, these Christians in Smyrna were dealing with what they were faced with. And this next week, I want you to think about these people and think about what it was that they were facing. And I want you to prayerfully think about yourself and how you would do, how you would fare in that same situation. And I know that ultimately we can't really know until we'd actually be in that situation for ourselves. But, but at least prayerfully think about what you would do if you were faced with Would you deny Christ so you could live a few more years on the earth and then and then go to hell? Or would you maintain your faith in him? What would you do? How would you handle this? Oh, we can get so busy in our everyday lives and we can get so spoiled here in the United States of America. Still a great nation, uh, but yet it, it has its it has its problems. When I say that, the Spirit of God, how can you be a great nation when you kill 50 or 60 million babies? See, I said that, the Spirit of God, just right on the inside. It, it is a great nation, and on the inside, how can you be great when you kill 50 or 60 million babies? Aren't you glad for the Holy Ghost to keep us straight? But yet, if I had to choose any nation on the earth to live in, I'd live in this nation. I'm pr- I am proud to be an American. I'm not, a proud, of, I'm not proud of all that, that's been done in the United States, but... But I am a a patriot. But more importantly, I'm a Christian. How about you? Let's continue to be light in this dark, dark world. What do you say? In fact, I want to encourage you to pray. Stay and pray if you can. In fact, the Holy Ghost already showed us last week in prayer some things that happened in this nation in in this last week. If you really think about what the Spirit of God said last week to us in the time of prayer. If you can stay, I'd encourage you to pray. But I, stay and pray. But I want you to really think about these Christians in Smyrna, the persecuted church. Hallelujah. Well, I love.